Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your morning, and my coach as usual, Aiden. As it guys, Arsenal took on the Blades at the Emirates Stadium. Uh, I've been a Achilles heel for us basically last season. You know, I know we got the better of them in the FA Cup semi-final, but in the league, you know, they managed to get four points off the, off the mighty Arsenal. So, um, you know, that's always going to be a tough game coming up against Sheffield United. They haven't had any points so far this season. I think didn't even score yet, if I'm not mistaken. And they're coming up, leading up to the game. So, you know, it wasn't going to be easy. They were going to always set up shop for a point. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, in, in last week's episode, uh, it was going to always be, you know, Sheffield United coming at us, even though they're coming in with that, that reputation you mentioned now uh, coming into the season with the three uh, three defeats on the bounce. But you always were kind of wary of what they could do because it was almost like Sheffield United would also be the sort of wounded animal coming to the Emirates. Yeah, it was... Um... Surprising for me personally to see the manner in which Arsenal set up, you know, going with Nketiah instead of Lacazette um, as the, the main man up front. I mean, Lacazette 3-3, three three, it was a bit puzzling why he, he never selected um, uh, um, Lacazette. What was your thoughts behind that? I mean, I, I just thought he was probably looking, or, I mean, maybe he just thought... Uh, you know, there would be almost like a kind of chance for Nketiah to, uh, you know, maybe, you know, that, that, that little forward runs that he normally knows that, you know, most strikers have that kind of sniff for, for goal, like, you know, making those little darting runs and or finding little bits of space. But I mean, Arsenal, of course, going to the game with Leno, Luis, Gabriel, Tierney, uh, then Bellerin, Elneny, Sebayos, Saka, and then up front, William, uh, Nketiah, and uh, Aubameyang. But I mean, look, Arsenal, of course, in the beginning, sets up shop 3-4-3. You could actually also see, look, even the Arsenal were, you know, came quick out of the traps. I think the first chance was Nketiah ended up getting with that. He just ended up falling over his feet or something. (laughs) Or he thought to himself, it's going to be one of those days. Uh, Then, like, some, like, fifth minute, Oliver Burke, then, of course, spins off David Luiz. And I mean, I honestly saw, even today, still the now, David Lewis got away with it because he clearly tags on the, the player's uh, top. He, uh, he manages to kind of wriggle free. Uh, the ref allows play to go on. And I think with that, you, like, as the, the play then goes from the advantage, uh, Burke ends up kind of, you know, fluffing the, the shot. But then, of course, every key, uh, the minute the ball goes out of play, the ref gets surrounded by uh, Sheffield United players. And I mean, I'm personally thinking if they go to VAR or something, they are going to say, look, this could be even a red card because David Lewis again lost, man. And I mean, we have grown accustomed to seeing David Lewis do things like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, if you're going to get or keep on getting caught out like that, why do you keep on trying to tag somebody back? And you'd rather, you know, run kind of, it was like goal side of the player to just kind of, uh, obstruct. But don't do something that, you know, something like that blatant because... On another day, I mean, that could cost us. Uh, I agree 100%. But I also feel that, that I think Leno was his saving grace because Leno was quite far out these goals and could have, you know, come to the rescue to kick the ball out of play. And I think that's... They say the tug uh, on Burke could have been the reason why Leno got to the ball before, just before um, the uh, Burke. But I do think, I think that could have spared his blushes because if, you know, Leno wasn't so far out, I think... It would have been a straight red. And then going on uh, during the first half, 
Without the middle of the first song, especially. I was, I mean, I don't know how you were feeling or like, you know, our listeners as well, but I was growing really frustrated because, yes, we were getting, you know, heavy possession of the ball. We were playing the ball, like, uh, you know, knocking it about in it. But there was nothing cutthroat about it. There was nothing fast-paced. And I think that is what we were kind of crying out for because the longer we just, you know, did this whole knocking the ball about, you could actually see the uh, Sheffield United going into that, that uh, you know, almost like into the shelves and... and which, of course, made it difficult because all of a sudden, our people like, uh, you know, uh, El Nini, he's trying to, to kind of find the pass. Seba is just trying to thread, but every time it gets either blocked or Chivalry uh, United were playing also quite a good offside trap, and that was also catching us out a few times. So, for me, I, like, as I said, I was really getting frustrated. And now you were feeling. No, definitely. It was like Arsenal had no cutting edge. Sheffield United, you saw, were setting up for a draw, and they were like, Arsenal just weren't playing the ball fast enough. And they were looking at Arsenal, basically saying, you know, pull us out of position and and work for your goal. We're not going to give it for you. And there were a few scares where Arsenal could have conceded a few times with with uh, um just by the uh, how complacent they were. And I think Nketi up front didn't help the cause because it's just like there was nothing happening in front and there's that gap between our midfielders and attackers which just seems to there's just nothing linking between the two. And I mean, even when, when David Luiz was trying the or even Gabriel at times was trying the route one uh, way of you know just hoofing a ball up the field. Nketi does not have that upper body strength that you and I have always been talking about. We And not know, even the pace. Yeah. And and the recording a hold up play. So, I mean, he's in, like, you just actually aimlessly hitting the ball forward for Sheffield United to clear, uh, clean up. Uh, it was beginning to be frustrating, like, uh, you just didn't know where the goal was going to come from, which was quite worrying at home. I was feeling the same because then, of course, <coughs> excuse me, 38th minute, Sander Bear, he ends up lunging in on Aubameyang and only gets a yellow. And I mean, even at, at, uh, with, with VAR, it did look like a, a near ankle break tackle because if you take your mind back to last season no I don't know not not even I could even be two seasons ago where Obama and we did not on a tackle on the one of the uh, Max Meyer yeah, yeah, last season yes this last season and he got you know it was first a yellow card the ref then had to look at it again and then switch it to a red a straight red so I mean how could that that is why sometimes you, you, you see one ref allowing bone crunches like that and then like say the week after you do a tackle like that and then with the other ref and then you get your marching orders yeah it's a bit you know in the inconsistency is quite bad you know like i i guess uh, that's the difference it all depends on the ref you get in the day will determine your success because i mean another day arsenal gets a red card and then like like you saw the man united game where um lambella hit Got eat Martial first, and Martial eat back, and then suddenly Martial only gets the red card. So it's a lot inconsistent with these refs nowadays. Yeah. So as the game in wore down in the first half, it was becoming more laboured. Arsenal also kind of losing the initiative because more and more, as you said, Sheffield United were now kind of feeling more confident and then being more adventurous, and we seem to be then more thinking, look, we can't get through. What more can we do? But you know, the the, the, the half-time whistle was in the godsend because then second half, you can sense, you know, Arteta was now eager to get, 
you know, something more than just a point out of this game. So, of course, he started tweaking. I think it was roughly about the something like 58th minute where he made the, the, the switch from uh, going uh, 3-4-3 to 4-2-3-1. And then, of course, he brought on <coughs> Pepe for Eden Ketia with Aubameyang now moving to spear the attack. William then kind of slots more into a cam role. And you can actually start seeing the, the the different sort of pass. All of a sudden, Arsenal seem to always have a man over or starting to cut through um, the, the Sheffield United lines more. Yeah, we seem much more slicker and things were linking up much better. And my only, like, the issue is that there's 3-4-3. Three, three, it's a good formation, but it's more of a pragmatic type formation. You know, you're going against a tough away game against... Ah, you know, like, okay, say, really like Man City, Man United, even, or Spurs. But, like, I think at home against Sheffield United, not disrespecting them, or at home against any team, really. You know, you have to show that you're here to win the game and that you're going to take control of it because we were getting bullied at times in the middle of the park. Well, I was telling my friends also... Uh, in that, that Facebook group I'm in, um, about, you know, I actually wish Arteta would get the, the, I think this was more problem. Now I actually know what you mean back in the day when you were talking about um, Una Emery, about that, that so the subs he would make at half time and then, and then you would say or tell me, why does he get it right the first time? We know it's okay. We're coming up against this, this and this team. So this is what, what squad is going to be and they will be able to do the business. But now it's like you have, um, it comes to say half time or you know almost like the first ten minutes of the second half, and you're really starting to make the chopping changes. And you think to yourself, then you should have kind of got to the right if you know you're going to be able to, as you said, now be more adventurous, especially being at home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like uh, uh, you should have started with that formation. Yeah, Bamiang on front, Saka, Pepe on either side, William behind the, them, and then you have Sebayos, you know, linking your yeah. defensive midfield to your attacking midfield, and then Alneni doing the clean up work and. Yeah, for me also, Gabriel, you know, outstanding game. Um, Burke was getting the better of Louise, and then I think um, he started taking control, and he was, Burke became very quiet, and they eventually took him, him off for that. I think it was Ollie Mc, McBurn or something like that. Oh, no. Also, yeah. Well, it was been a thorn in our side as well. Yeah. But uh, as you know, said with, with regards to not only Gabriel now, but Always will like almost like William as well. Because I really thought when I watched William's performance of the first half, I thought he's gonna kind of you know kind of tank off or you know lose a bit of gas. Uh, second half because of the uh, you know the, the route that we saw him play against Liverpool, where it became almost like too much for him, yeah. like sort of being overrun and that. And the minute as I said, he got played in that more uh, central attacking midfield role, or, you know, old number ten. He started, you know, literally, as you said also, he was, like, really pulling things together. And also, like, with Sebeos and also having the freedom to play him in more. He actually looked more comfortable in that, that position. And I think that is actually where Williams' play should be because, look, he doesn't have the legs anymore for, you know, wing play. But I think in the middle of the park, with that head of his, he can still think. And he's quite a wily character. I mean, everybody knows him like that. So he knows when he's going to play those sort of killer passes or lofted passes. Yeah, and you can see that that that, that link up play and the, the the game started moving much faster. And you know the build up to 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 the first goal, you know, you were you were heavily involved with that. Yeah, I mean, brilliant work on the right flank. 
um, El Nene then bursts into the box. Plays a kind of one, or would have been a one-two with Aubameyang. But I think he gets, uh, uh, El Nene gets a shout quite early from Bellerin. You know, lets the ball run, uh, El Nene lets the ball run across his body. Bellerin already comes in with already, you know, full speed. And he kind of, I think everybody's expecting the drive cross, like, you know, the large flat drive across goal. And I think Bellerin just ends up dinking it to the far post. And Saka comes in, dart again, and it's in one or Arsenal. Brilliant, Eddie. I think the goalkeeper even thought he was going to hit it, you know, across him. And he decided to to hit it, you know, straight at, in the near post, which I think the keeper didn't expect that to happen. And I think, you know, if Saka had to miss it, Eddie, we would have said, why it's not hitting to the far post. But, you know, good work by the player to do that. And I, he also hits it into what we would say the roof of the net. And it makes it even difficult for a keeper once he's already kind of flat-footed and trying to readjust and still trying to get to these hands up, you know, high, up, high enough up uh, to the roof of the net. But I mean, fantastic goal by Arsenal. And now, all of a sudden, you see that momentum start changing in the game. I think Sheffield United eventually you knew they can't, OK, we can't sit anymore. And that worked perfectly for Arsenal. As, you know, we knew that we now had the upper hand, we could go revert to the... You know, pragmatic Arteta way, or we could also decide that you know we 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 want to push on and go for the jugular. Yeah, I think sixty-fourth minute uh, again, fantastic one-two between Pepe, Pepe and Bellerin allows uh, the Avorian then of course to go on the sort of mazy run first on the flank, and he starts cutting inside two players. I think one was the the wing back or midfield left midfielder, and then up against the also the, the left-back from um, Sheffield United. And, of course, they allow him to come goal side instead of hanging that way. That's how most people normally defend against Pepe. And then once Pepe starts seeing the whites of the goal, I mean, he just, just literally passes the ball past Ramsdale to no Arsenal. Uh, I think, you know, after criticising Pepe last week, he just decided that he's, he's going to prove us wrong. <laughs> Again? Because I was just thinking, you know, so I just hope, you know, when, when we said also last, I was at last week, and we also had a mention for Eddie Nketiah. I just thought, geez, I'm not going to help him. I'm not going to have egg on my face again. <laughs> yeah, but two no Arsenal, and you're thinking, you know, comfortable game. You know, we, we have this in the bag, and, um, you know, we're going to just see this out, maybe push for a third. But, you know, it's like Arsenal's complacency setting once again. Yeah, I think it was more down to also look when, when uh, Sebeos came off for Xhaka. Um, I, you could actually see it was a bit of, you know, it was like with Jaka just kind of falling into the sort of momentum that we were on at the moment. He seemed to have kind of switched off at that moment in the something like 83rd minute where McGoldrick of Sheffield United manages to almost like outmuscle everybody in, in midfield. And then the minute he gets a chance that he sees, you know, the, the chance at, of having a pop at goal, he takes it, you know, with a fantastic curler and buries his chance 2 1. Uh, I, I had odd palpitations after this. I had flashbacks, you know, of Arsenal last season where we blew two goal leads quite a few times. So I was actually, you know, quite stressed out and hoping that, the, that we weren't going to end up having egg on our faces and throwing 2 2. Because, um, like for those who bet out there, I, I, up to the listeners, I, I had placed a multi bet on Arsenal in Liverpool. And I thought to myself, you know, prior to kickoff and even I was like, you know, Arsenal's the stumbling block in the pit, you know, because they, you know, very hot and cold at times. But 
if, if Arsenal can get through this game, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can. Um, Liverpool will get through the, their game, but it just shows that how the Premier League's been so unpredictable this season. Yeah. You know, I mean, like between the the goal of Sheffield United and I think 86 minutes, it was almost like panic stations for Arsenal because every sort of opportunity there was a throw in a corner. You just worried about where that ball's going to land. Then, of course, I think Arteta also senses the constant danger. He then takes off Saka, brings on Enzimate Niles in the 87th minute. And we kind of, he also kind of series the ship as we see out the match and we end up with a three points, two, one Arsenal final score. There's good man management, game management at the end, but did you know we'd have seen Wenger's Arsenal still push for a, a, a third goal to make it 3-1. But, you know, excellent three points and... You know, all of a sudden, from being not wouldn't say doom and gloom, but you know, they said Arsenal giving a reality check last week. Even I was want to say that. You know, we end up, I think, if I'm not mistaken, ahead of Liverpool. Yeah, with the you know the course of the sort of uh, results and results to come during that what would have been also a crazy weekend and the Monday. So, we switch our attention now to the talking points. Um, the main one first is, of course, the transfer deadline day. Um, by 10 a.m. On, on the morning of the, the, the 5th, Arsenal already were getting business done because I think Guedosi already the morning, already Monday morning, he already jetted off the Atta Berlin and I think by close to noontime, his deal was also uh, wrapped up in Atta Berlin with that... Um, one-year loan deal. The only thing which was kind of annoying of the deal was there's no loan fee that comes with it and there's no also option to buy it for Erta. So, I mean, let's just keep our fingers crossed that he has a fantastic uh, season in the Bundesliga and, of course, which will make him more, you know, in demand when we do have the opportunity to, like, probably sell him because I, I still don't know, even with a loan, I don't even think Arteta has him in the plans for, for Arsenal. Um, the only thing, the other thing that was kind of disappointing with the transfer window as it was now, you know, something to really pick up going into the like, afternoon was uh, Socrates, Kolasinac, all the air deals fell through. Because I think Roma were, you know, they should be or shouldn't be, but I think the minute they didn't put the money down for uh, Chris Smalling, that was almost like kind of put that thing to bed, that story to bed. And Kolasinac, I just think... <sighs> Leverkusen also kind of dragging their feet because everything was also you know going slow in Germany at the time and by the time they, uh, the window closes normally I think fifth, uh, about 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock at the latest and I think that also the longer both parties were you know tugging and having a back and forth but for me it's also <clears throat> a good uh, learning curve for Edu as well because look this was like his first real sort of uh you know, time to get transfer deals over the line, almost like yeah. on because other times he had Sonia, he, you know, as his backup. And now <clears throat> they could not see where they were making kind of the faults or the errors now in judgment with getting rid of players. Because if you think of the time frame of, of, of a, a transfer window that was extended, usually what to what the norm is, and yeah. I think like two and a half months even, I just think we almost like dragged our feet from the get go. And then almost like with, with like say 14 days ago, then the panic started sitting in when we needed to start raising money for uh, what was going to be probably a bit for our and a bit for Thomas' party. 
Yeah, I think things have been wrapped up a bit sooner and, and you know, players could have settled in earlier because, I mean, there was no need to, to like you said, drag your feet till till the very end. I mean, could, those kind of things cost you points at the end of the season, you know? Your early signings can come in and, and play a game and look at look at Gabriel, the difference. I'm, I'm sure we would have had points dropped if we never got him early enough, so... You know, it's it's sometimes fine margins like that can end up, you know, looking, biting you in the backside in, in the season. Then just after 12, uh, Charles Watts on Twitter, who's quite reliable, he's one of the writers by Goal.com, he started putting out tweets about saying the Thomas Party rumours are something to pick up fast because everything is now happening. And, uh, you know, with, with if some of our listeners don't know, with that release clause for Thomas Party, which was 45 million, uh, that money goes straight to La Liga. It does not go to Atletico Madrid. So the minute you can, you know, put your funds together, you can also already, you know, shift the money over to La Liga headquarters. And they, almost like they are the mediators and they broker the deal. And when they see everything is sorted, paperwork, everything is done, and the way the money is going to be moved over, then they already tell Atletico Madrid, look, the money is now free for you to take and you're going to lose now this player. So, of course, uh, I think as of the day or so uh, wore on, there were so many conflicting reports. Some were saying, oh, yeah, he's going to fly to London. Some were saying he's going to uh, or the Arsenal meds, the medical staff are going to have that uh, the thing done in, in the medical, done in, in Spain. So, of course, all of, and of course, he was still going to go to uh, Ghana for international duty. So, as I said, everything was not really in the end. But then, I think, officially, everything was not signed and sealed by 11.28 uh, Central European time. You know, almost like against squeaky bum time, you know, almost like down on the wire. But I think it was also more for drama, if you think of it. Cause I yeah. Think, I think everything was done way before. I think, like, Arsenal were, you know, running accordingly, and La Liga were running accordingly, the whole thing. Of course, Atletico Madrid is now upset, but you know, we've got our man, we've got Thomas Party. As they say, no party without Thomas Party. <laughs> <laughs> so, my thoughts, not actually my thoughts, I'm going to ask you, um, what since you now watched and know about him a bit more than me, uh, what will you bring to the team and what's your thoughts about Thomas Party? I think he's an excellent signing for us. He kind of gives us that kind of presence in the midfield that we were missing that, you know, very like he's a very good tackler. He covers ground, so he, he he's not as um, static as Xhaka, so he will be all over. He's, he knows how to snuff out danger and his interceptions and tackles like are, are, are second to none, so you're going to have some. It's also going to win your aerial battles in the midfield as well. So you're kind of getting the full package in the midfield. There's something that Arsenal's been missing and he has a very good shot on him and also a, a, a very, like, you know, don't be deceived, you know, by his, his stature. He also has a, a, a sleek, sometimes, pass to him where he can, you know, whether it's over the top or a through ball. He has, like, those little qualities, but definitely his main strength is his engine that we, we've been lacking for so long at Arsenal. So, interesting times at Arsenal, you say? Yes, definitely interesting. I think... Um, we as a club can can start looking upwards now and seeing that you know just be, if we can integrate him nicely into the team and you have your spine sorted you know who knows where Arsenal can end up this season especially with all these teams around us you know just faltering with when you least expected. Yeah, 
So are the Loki signings and since everybody was already <laughs> dying out for the big, uh, you know, glamour signing to made. Um, other Loki signings we made was Omar Rekik of Theater uh, Berlin as a centre back from from um, Theater is one we bought him for one million pounds. He's eighteen years old, so also one for the future. But from what I've read, all those youngsters are also oh, I will also be mentioning. They're all going to be going straight into the under twenty three side with the opportunity of you know maybe getting a crack at first team football. Um, the second signing was then Nikolai Muller, a striker, 18 years old, for £430,000 from Molde. Uh, a real beanpole of a forward. He's, I think he's 18. As I said, yeah, he's 18, but he's like six foot two already. So, you know, maybe this is the sort of Giroud we've been asking. But I mean, I think he's to be like this young, but I just hope he kind of develops now, you know, under... Metasak and Steve Bolden at the Academy Center. And then the final one that we made of the youngsters was Joel Ideo, a winger, 17 years old, undisclosed fee from Ajax Amsterdam. Yeah, it seems like Arsenal are quite busy. Obviously, you know, the high profile, not not yeah. all just high profile signings, but um, uh, good business done on deadline day. I think, you know, we got the player we were looking for. I think we just kind of missing that kind of creativity now. I'm not saying that it's completely lacking because you have William and probably Sebayos yeah. who could, you know, battle out for the number 10 position since um, Sebayos has that kind of Ahmed Rodriguez type style in his play where, you know, he doesn't just have that old-fashioned number 10 where he hangs forward only not tracks back. But Sebayos will slide in for tackles and go in for tackles just like William. So, you know, interesting times for Arsenal and you know, maybe we can, if there's still business available to be done, we can, we can still, you know, find something for us. Yeah. And then uh, Ed also did an interview a few hours ago um, saying, you know, we're not really done with business yet. There could still be loans out because, as I said, there was that talk of William Saliba because, you know, going through all that personal problems and that he's probably going to get a, a loan move to uh, possibly at the moment at Norwich. But I mean, um, Arsenal also are thinking of maybe taking in one of the players, the, the key players on loan for a season with us because uh, when Dia has been mentioned, as well as uh, Cantwell of Norwich. And then of course, I think the other one also that's been mentioned, also not, not concrete, but also in the in the rumor mill, uh, Ben Rama of Brentford, also as maybe just a loan because... I think teams would also wouldn't mind also getting or, or picking up a sort of loan fee as well for the player. And then another point I want to bring up was uh, Ms. Ozil and Socrates being cut from the Europa League squad. Um, I think it came somewhat of a uh, shock, but I think with both players now in the last, I don't know how many months are still left for, of their contract, so their contracts both run out on uh, June 2021. Uh, they were now the ones being now omitted from the squad. And then also a final talking point, Ozil uh, has gotten an offer from the club for £13 million to terminate his contract. So that is also becoming now another kind of off-field tussle. So what's your... Do you have any talking points or what's your thoughts no, on that? No, I, I just... It's really sad with how, how things played out with Ozil. I mean, he's a top-quality player and... It's just really sad how, how things are turning out now. I mean, you're paying him 
X amount of money to, you know, hopefully deliver something. Or when you expect the assumptions on that kind of pay package, you expect him to, to be a big part of the team. But I don't know how he went from Arteta bringing him into the squad to, you know, letting him basically sit on the bench and pick up a wage. And then another kind of talking point as to on your Gwendozi thing, you don't think that should he come back on loan and sort his attitude out, you know, maybe do some thinking that he could fit back in Arteta's plan or do you think that the whole situation is too far gone? I don't know because I, I don't know if you notice also, Arteta seems a guy if you go on his bad side he'll kind of tolerate you but it's like you you, you kind of it's never going to be the same again with him and I think that is where the, the, almost like the bridge has been burnt with Ozil and, and Arteta and also with, with Guendouzi and, and uh, Arteta, because I, I think, look, I think Guendouzi of, of, of like the two players we now mentioned has more kind of regret of what he did, but you do know with his sort of volatile character, he's also due also a, a outburst, you know, at any time. And I, th- and I think Arteta don't want to have that sort of character in the squad if, you know, for every little thing you're going to have to... Look, look how we mentioned, even under Una Emery, Guendouzi got himself involved in so many off-the-ball things numerous times in the scuffles on the field. And you're thinking, just walk away or, you know, let, let one of the players, senior players, just drag him away from the incident. And you would, like, just keep on and on. And I just think when it came down now to Arteta, I think Arteta didn't pull the trigger on him right in there. Yeah, and Urla, like, how did he just fall from grace like that? You know, one, uh, one of our best players, you know, over the years, and and kind of um, you know at times the assist king just f- falling down the tubes like that. I mean, I, many people say yes, it's formation changes, but I mean that was going even before that because even like when Wenger and them were there, you could actually see the minute that that wage thing he got done and signed, he, you know everything about him. Was like, I mean, maybe he doesn't not he wouldn't want it like that, but I don't like deep down. I don't like his body thought. Look, I've got over enough now. I cannot just do what I want. I, I got the sort of uh, wage packet that I wanted. And I mean, it was a smart play by his agents because if you think of it, Alexis at the time and the sort of form he was on, that should have been we also should have, you know, as I said, like in, in the, the gambling terms, you know, put all the chips on. And I think they kind of got almost like out, outwitted by Ozil because, not Ozil, but I'm always agents, but because they probably just told him, look, just hold on. If Alexis isn't happy or gets the contract, that money is going to go your way anyway. And I think that is what they did. And that was, you know, you can also say on a from a neutral perspective, you know, well played. Yeah, it was because I mean, imagine having Alexis in the squad now with this current uh, bunch of players. It's a kind of player that we miss. That you know, Bamiang is a class act, and you know, he's out in Aldo as they call it. But Alexis Sanchez, you know, like Bamiang at times when games aren't going well. You know, he, he sometimes goes very into a shell where the Lexus Sanchez, like, you know, would you know, carry Arsenal single-handedly and make something out of nothing. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two or something like that. So, I think we're missing that, that kind of play. And hopefully, maybe not January, I don't think, but hopefully we can get ourselves, you know, I know game, game by game, game by game, but get us into the top four, you know, and kind of bring in another Sanchez-type player eventually. And, you know, just to round off on a more positive note, also, you know, big up to all the higher-ups at Arsenal that 
kind of also got this uh, Thomas Party deal over the line because as much flack and stress that, that say, Stan Kroenke gets or Vinay gets or Edu and, and okay, not really Arteta, but I'm talking of the guys that are really in and, and, and do the, like, not only the nitty-gritty, like, say, the negotiation, like uh, Edu and Vinay have to do, but also, you know, stumping up the cash like Stan Kroenke has to do. So, I mean, you know, well played, gents. That's all I can say. And with that, uh, I'll give you the last word, but I'd say my bias now. Cheers, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the, the time off, guys, and, and enjoy being in top four for now. Good way to end off the first you know, bit of the season. Cheers, guys, and take care.